Okay, so we're now in this, the session two. I have it titled in your, your worksheet as Creators and Cultivators, but I'm, I've really called it, men are called to be lords, men are called to be husbandmen. And um, husbandry is not something that we typically think of or we even know the definition of. Does anybody know what the definition of husbandry is, by the way? If I said, okay, what's husbandry? What, what is that typically now in our, in our day? Probably in the middle, Midwest, particularly. Farming, yeah, something, what? Somebody? Farm, okay, farming, yeah, what did you say? What? Oh, taking care of animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not just ground, but also, but also animals. I think I put a, did I get a definition of that? I can't remember if I put that one. Yeah, here it goes. So here's the definition, the, the dictionary definition, formal defini- dif- dic- uh, dictionary definition. The act or practice of cultivating crops and breeding and raising livestock or agriculture. The application of scientific principles to agriculture, especially uh, to animal breeding. Careful management or conservation of resources, economy. So we're starting to get down to maybe a little bit more what I'm talking about in terms of husbandry, but even that doesn't really capture what husbandry means. So here's, I'm gonna give you an example. It's taking something natural like the wheat plant as a raw resource and then makes something of it for the good of himself, so the person who's making it, of himself and for others. So he takes um, that wheat plant, selectively breeds it, to develop a disease-resistant and bountiful strains of wheat. Develop soil conversation, conservation, not conversation, conservation to accomplish wheat growth or developing harvesting techniques, design facilities to store wheat over time, invent machines to turn wheat into flour, develop a variety of different foods to be made from wheat, so flours and breads and cereals, develop other products which can be made from that wheat, animal feeds and glue, devise uses for wheat stalks, so you have silage before harvest and silage, sorry, before harvest and straw before after harvest. Uh, That's what this word husbandry means. It means to take something of a raw resource and do something with it for the good, not only of the person who has that raw resource, is working with it, but also for those who are going to be uh, benefiting from it. So it's thinking about oneself and thinking about those uh, around them. So um, in the mandate, so we're gonna go back to Genesis chapter uh, one. We have the mandate. The first thing that God says, he says, be fruitful and multiply. And then God describes the resources available. Um, now consider, and David was getting on this, consider the condition of the world that God had placed the man. So let's go back to chapter two and look at verse eight. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he put the man whom he had formed." Now, verse five, back to verse five, you've got the phrase bush in the field and you have plants of the field. Both of those words are cultivated crops, not wild plants. So there was no cultivated crops um, in the land. You know, this was all wild. Everything was wild, except for what? 
there was a garden. God, God made a garden. So there was a place there that was a garden. But before we get there, so there are two reasons why there's no cultivated crops. What are the two reasons according to verse 5? No rainfall. Yep. What would you say? No rain what? And no man. Yep. No man. No man to cultivate it. Good. Instead of the rainfall, what is there? Just a mist. Some kind of, some kind of a mist, uh, mist is just watering the ground. So according to verse 15, what, uh, what is man to do? Go now to verse 15, chapter 2. Okay, so work and keep. Thank you. So he's to work it. Now this word, uh, to work it, means to improve or to develop by care, training, or by study, and to promote the development of a growth of something. So that's what he's supposed to be doing. Keeping it means to them preserve it and to store up and to maintain and to finish. Now, let's not miss this because that's what's out there, but where has God placed the man? God has placed the man in the garden. And what does he that say about what's outside of the garden? So what, what, are we, what, are, what are we thinking about? What's outside this garden? Wild. Wildness. Yeah. It, it's nature doing what it's doing. If you don't tame it, it's just going to continue to kind of grow and go crazy and that, that kind of thing. So this is what's going on around this garden, garden here. So God has placed him in there, the man in the Garden of Eden. So everything outside is not a garden. It's wild. It needs to be subdued. So Genesis 2.5 tells us that the original raw order of nature is one where there are no cultivated plants. Man is needed to subdue the creation, to bring order and usefulness to, to creation. So as we look back to chapter 1 of Genesis... That helps us now to think about how did God bring order to the world? Okay, so what did he do? Uh, again, beginning in the very first you know, verse, the, the creator that, that were created in the image, he formed the heavens, right? And then he, what did he do? He separated the heavens. He separated the lights from the darkness. And then he named them day and night. And then after he did that, he filled the heavens with sun and moon and stars, and then uh, he formed the waters above, and he and the waters below. What? How did he form them? He separated them. So he's beginning to bring order to this water. He's he's separating them, and then he filled the sky with birds and flying creatures. And then so on and on we go. There's this idea of forming by bringing order, separation, and bringing order. And then once he's brought that separation and order, he then begins to fill it. So this seems to be the model that he's calling us as those who are to be in the garden or actually in the world, we are to be beginning to bring order to the world by separating things out. And then after we separate anything out and brought some order to it, then we begin to fill that, that place and fill, fill it up. So we're working it and, and filling it and, and such. So now this is not to be done alone. So let's go back to verse 18, not to be done alone. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. And that's the first time we find that something is not good uh, as, as it's being heard. So most likely the original readers, they did not read this, they heard it. So we heard good, 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 good. Um, we heard very good at one point. And then we come to this second, second uh, chapter, which is day six, and we hear not good. Ooh, something's not good. 
So here's what's not good. The Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Okay. So of all of the ways that God could have created Eve, why this way? What, what is he revealing to the man? I mean, there's thousands of ways that God could have created Eve. Could have done just like he created the male, but he didn't. So what's so significant? What's, what's going on here? See if we can come up with some things. Why this way? Okay, so there's, there's dependency now on whom? Okay, so there's dependency. So the first one he said is on God. So right there, we do know that that's true because it's God who brings forth, we're gonna see the female to him. So we know as men, we are dependent upon God for everything. And when things are not good, we're dependent upon him to make it good. You know, so we... So there, and we're also dependent upon that there's something about us that's not, um, um, not right, that's not, not complete, thank you. Who said that? That was very good, nice, nice complete, not complete. So there's something about us not, we do need something to complete us, to complement us, is the word we would use, to, to complement us. Uh, we need help. Yeah. Okay, and, and I'm so sorry, I heard half of it. <laughs> I want you to finish out. So help me out. Give me, give me highlight points. Give, yeah, probably everybody else heard it except for me. What's that? Oh, it empowers the man. And how, do you, how is it empowers man? I'm not following Okay, so, so in order to, if, if, see if I get this right. By the way, these are old ears, okay. Um, I have an ongoing ringing. I don't think old guys know what that means. So um, we need to rule well. We need this person to, so this, when you're using the word empowering, that the word I just heard there, that is a result of this person coming into our life. Would that be a fair way of saying it? That we can't, that God didn't intend for us to do this alone in terms of the, the, the demand that God has called upon us to rule well within the realms we need someone to come into, into our lives. Typically. Yeah, help me out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, good, good, and 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 that's is, is this this is such an interesting. You know, so that was one of my questions. Did I have that? Yeah. Why, why the parade of animals? You just answered at least a portion of it. There's a, there's another piece to it. Why this parade of animals? We now know that well. He's seen all these animals come forward, and that they need a male and a female. You know, kind of a kind of a deal. So we we know that. What else might he be seen as he's seen all these animals? Lack of suitability. Boy, they just don't, they don't fit. <laughs> this is creepy. Yeah, Adam. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good, good. And, yeah, Josh. Okay, I didn't think any of that. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I got what you just said. I've never thought of that in that pointing towards Christ and the, uh, I guess I'm just not thinking all that deep. I have to think about that one. I've just never even thought of it that way. But I see what you're saying. You're saying, I get what you're saying there. I was thinking more, uh, more simply. Uh, and, I, and, it was, and it's this way. It's the creativity or imagine the parade of animals that's coming before, before him it, it, there's beauty, there's creativity, there's, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but on all of that, it says, oh, this isn't good enough for you. There's something much better for you. And so then he puts, you know, as we just described there, he puts, he goes to sleep, comes from there. I, Adam, I think you're absolutely right that this is uh, this idea of this intimacy that has come out of the, the out of the male this, this, this woman is, is coming from. So, yeah, so it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Why the naming of the animals? What's going on there with the naming of the animals? Is it, see, we read this so quickly, we don't even think about the particulars, but he's naming the animals. What's up with that? Yes. Okay, why is that? Why is that part of being dominion? Yeah. So we expect when we name our animals, we expect that there's some that builds in already a, an idea of relationship that we have with this particular animal and is that I'm your master and you are not, you know, kind of a thing. So my dog, I expect my dog to do certain things because I've named my dog. It doesn't work so well in my family, but in my situation. But um, yeah, it, it's the idea that this is mine and uh, I have authority over 
I have authority over, over this one. Okay, so, so yeah, it's, it's showing a particular relationship. He's, he's showing lordship over that. The dominion is to be consistent then with the, the, the character of the king. So now let's read verses 21 through 23, which we've already alluded to. And it's this, verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed, uh, closed up his place in flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, did you notice that Adam named the woman? Right? She shall be called woman. He's the one who named. Verse 23. So this good gift of whom he speaks with kind of a poetic lilt has been named by the man. He is to be the Lord of her life. Now look at the worksheet in front of you and and allow me to walk you through a consideration uh, of the circumstance of Adam's creation and compare them with Eve's creation. So we not only see that men and women are different, but also why they are different. So here we go. Um, You can answer, help me answer these. Uh, The man he's made from what? The earth. The earth. The woman is made from a person. He's made for what? Same answer. The earth. The woman is made for what? A person. Interesting. He is made in what? Well, he's made in an uninhabited world. but she is made in an inhabited world. So there's already a person there that she has been made into an uninhabited world and she's made in an inhabited world. Warned about death by whom? Whom Who warns Adam? Okay. Who warns Eve or the woman? Adam. Adam's the one. Um, who's, who's the namer um, and who's been named? Yes, so Adam is the namer. The woman is the one who's named. Role in the um, garden mandate, I'm taking that from verses um, 16, 15 through 17. Um, who, the role of the garden man, he, the head, he's the head, Adam's the head of that mandate. He's the head of the mandate. And she's the, to help Adam fulfill the mandate. So he's the head of the mandate. She's to help fulfill the mandate. And then created order, he's what? First and thus head. And she is second in order, just in time, how God determined it. All right, so based upon that chart, I think this helps us then to be able to begin to think about, you know, traits. 
which one is more often the trait of a man or a woman and, and why? Why would you say that using this chart? So the first one I would say is, okay, looking on that second page, uh, who's apt to get dirty generally? What? Why? I'm sorry? Made from the earth. There's something about that. Yeah, made from the earth. Who's apt to take risks? Men. Why? According to what we had, what? Yes, he's created into this void. He's created into this mess, if you will. It really wasn't a mess, I mean, because it was good. Uh, But the entanglement of the wildness. And he's been given something. He's got to do something with this wildness. So you've got to take some risks. Yeah. All right. Who's focused on relationships? (laughs) You laugh down here. Woman. Okay. Why? She's never been alone. Interesting, isn't it? She was created into an inhabited world. Yes. She's made to help a person. She's made to help a person. Who's going to be the nester then? Woman. Who are going to be the explorers? Men. I mean, this is how God has created it. Who are to be the leaders then? Generally, men are to be the leaders, right? Men are to be leading. So, yeah, we live in a time where, you know, the things that are exalted are all the things that are the exceptions, as if somehow the exceptions are to be the norms. So this is the, this is the norm. This is the way God created things. This is before the fall. This is just how we were created. There's reasons why there's these, these details that he has given to us in terms of how the particulars of how we are created and we then take our cues from those in terms of what we are to be, to be as men, to be creators and cultivators, uh, to be husband men, all right? Any, any questions or any thoughts from, from um, uh, wait a minute, maybe not, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute, before, before any questions. Um, look at this. In, in recovering biblical manhood and womanhood, I had a quote here, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, Greg Johnson, he writes in a chapter titled, uh, the biological basis for this, this is the, this is the title in there, the, uh, the chapter in there, the biological basis for gender-specific behavior. Anthropologists find universal sex-specific behaviors among human cultures. Of 250 cultures studied, males dominate in almost all. Males are almost always the rule makers, hunters, builders, fashioners of weapons, uh, workers in metal, wood, or stone. Women are primary caregivers and most involved in child rearing. rearing. Their activities center on maintenance and care of home and family. They're more often involved in making pottery, baskets, clothes, blankets, etc. They get gather food, preserve and prepare food, obtain and carry firewood and water. They collect and grind grain. The fact that these universal transcends divergent animal groups and cultures suggests that these must be more than a cultural basis for these sex differences. The data point is to biological predeterminants of gender-related behavior. So that's just some, you know, some affirmation. And these, but we see it within the way that God has created us and the way that we have been formed so that we kind of understand. So again, we live in a time of gender dysphoria. 
I mean, this is the whole point. This is the whole point of the enemy. And the enemy is to try to somehow destroy what God has given to us before the fall. And that is that there's proper order into the way that he has determined for us to rule and for us to be creators and cultivators. And the primary people to do that are men. Men are to be creators. We are to be cultivators. You've been equipped for that. All right, so any questions or any thoughts? What's that? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so a whole issue of is, are do we ever stop working is what you're asking the question. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean I, I, I'm discovering, I'm not that old yet, um, but I'm discovering that I do need more sleep and I do need, uh, um, I, I can't physically do some, some things. So I, I, I look at my parents who are now 85 and they're retired, uh, but they still have a work to do. Um, they sleep a lot more um, <laughs> in order to get that work done. And that work is pretty minimal during the day, but they still have work to do. And they recognize that. So we, you may be, they don't work in terms of making money. They do have a retirement, but they still see their job as the work. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else? Okay. Wow. I thought that might bring something up, but okay, it doesn't. Here we go. Nine reasons for the headship of man. Here we are. Nine reasons. Number one, Adam was created first. Adam was created first. Genesis 2.7, we've already read. I don't think I put this one up. But then 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says this. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, talking about within the context of the church. Rather, she is to remain quiet, talking about the context within the church. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. So there's this order of which God intended within the context. He's, Timothy's being written to in terms of the, what's going to happen in terms of the household of God. And he says, there's certain things that there's an order there for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and then Adam, Adam was not deceived. The woman was deceived and became a transgressor. In other words, Adam failed his job. And as a result, then uh, the woman was deceived, yet she will be saved through child. I won't go there. Okay, well, I won't read that verse because I have a reason for that. Yeah, I won't go there. All right, number two, number two. Adam was given the garden or the cultural mandate, cultural mandate, or I call it the garden mandate in chapter two, verses 15 through 16. So he was given, he was given the mandate, the garden mandate. Number three, woman was created from man. Woman was created from man. 1 Corinthians 11.9. Did I have that one, Joel? I can't remember if I gave you that one. Nope. 1 Corinthians 11.9 says this. Um, Neither was man created for woman, but woman for... Oh, that's one verse. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. So the woman was created for the man. The, the woman was created for the male in order to help him in terms of what he could do, couldn't do without her. So... She was his compliment. Number four, woman was created. Oh, sorry, number five, woman is a divine gift to man. Woman is a divine gift to man. And we know that the way that the, she was presented uh, to, to, um, to Adam. And then Proverbs 19.14 says, House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. So it's a gift. Prudent wife is from the Lord. Number six, Adam named woman. Named 
woman, or named the woman, I guess I'd say. Adam named the woman. Number seven, man is to initiate marriage. Man is to initiate marriage. Man is to initiate, I-N-I-T-I-A-T-E, initiate marriage, I-N-I-T-I-A-T-E. Number eight, we are either damned or saved by male headship. (laughs) That's a strong one, isn't it? We are either damned or saved by male headship. So I have two verses there. But that's pretty strong. So so male headship is not a trivial doctrine of Scripture. By it, we are damned. And this is what I mean by that. We already read it, Romans 5.12. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. So male headship failed. And as a result, we were all damned. But by it, male headship, we are saved. This is the 1 Corinthians 15, 22 passage. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Okay? So that's where uh, male headship is important. Christ, uh, in Christ we're made alive. Number nine, man and woman picture Christ and the church from their sinless beginning. So, Man and woman picture Christ and the church from their sinless beginning. So I do have uh, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. So if you, if you do, uh, turn that in your Bibles, okay? Because this one's important just for us to, to see real quickly. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. So what I'm trying to get at here is that God has called us to be creators and cultivators, but he's also called us to do it in such a way that we fit within what we are as a man and that we do need a woman to help us do this, that she compliments us and helps us to fulfill this for us, but that there are are gender differences and we need to be working out those gender differences and that we are as men are to be the head of our homes, that we are to to lead within our homes. And so we have uh, Ephesians 5, 22 uh, through 33, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Okay, now you're, you're caught up with me. Verse 31 is a quote of marriage that's given to us in Genesis chapter two, which says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So marriage has been given to us by God before the fall, all right? Now, that's why we can't mess around with marriage because we're we're messing around with God's thing. Um, Verse 32, this mystery... 
So that which is truth previously not known, but now made known, this mystery is profound. Well, what mystery, Paul, is profound? He said, well, I'm saying that it, marriage, refers, is a reference back to Christ and the church. So the gift of marriage given to us before the fall was given to humanity in order to reflect a greater relationship, and that is a relationship between Christ and the church, which was thought in God's head in the council of the Trinity in eternity past. So our marriages are to reflect a greater relationship, and that is the relationship of Christ with the church. So this is why it's important. God has ordained it to communicate, marriage, to communicate to the world about a better and eternal relationship between Christ and the church. The man is to be the head of the woman as Christ is the head of the church. The woman is to submit to the man as the church is to submit to Christ. So if the goal of a Christian marriage is to outgrow the evil of male headship as many evangelical feminists insist, I want to read that again. If the goal of a Christian marriage is to outgrow the evil of male headship as many evangelical feminists Feminists insist. Then the goal of the church would be to outgrow the authority of Christ. And that's foolishness. Right? Okay. All right, so first part. If the goal of a Christian marriage is to outgrow the evil of male headship, as many evangelical feminists insist, then the goal of the church would be to outgrow the authority of Christ. Thank you, Evolve Amandic. Thank you for clarification. Yes, so Evolve. So, and the evangelical feminists would say that that is something uh, that is old. That is something we're to, we're to grow out of and that, that there is no longer a male headship. But you say that, and you say that in light of what we have here, then we're saying, oh, then that means that we should outgrow the authority of Christ over us. Now, I don't think any sane evangelical would say that. I, I mean, unfortunately, maybe they would. But they shouldn't. They're insane. It's insane to get out of the authority of God. That's what sin does. Sin gets... We do stupid things because we get outside the authority of God in our lives. It's insane. And that's what, that's what this would be calling for. All right. So man's Christ-picturing headship and the woman's church-picturing submission are, oh, here's a word I wrote and can't say very well, inextricably part of God's very good creation. <laughs> I can say it in my head. I can't say it very well with my lips. Inextricably part of God's very good creation. Okay, so let's get a little bit practical here. Um, as a husbandman of a woman, um, a creator cultivator, how should a single man date a woman, dating a woman fulfill his role in her life? How, how can she, he be a cultivator and creator in that relationship? That would be a way of, Asking him. Yes, Rick. He leads in, in, in purity. He leads in purity. Yes. 
setting boundaries. Yep. We've got a realm here. This is the dating realm. This is the boundaries that we will be setting. We'll be, say, we'll be expressing that, stating it, and we will be staying within it. And I will be the one who will make those boundaries and live within them. Yeah. Let's step back. It was, it was a step back earlier than we were saying. We got some young, younger lads here. They're not even thinking about dating. So how can they be creators and cultivators in the realm that God has given to them? Yeah. Cultivate your own godliness. Be creator, have an, use your imagination and be a creator of, 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 a, of what you want to see in the future of your family and start working towards that even before you have a, a woman. So that, that godly, so, so the, you're, you begin attracting the right kind of women who say, wow, you've, there's something about you that I like and I want to follow you kind of a feel to it. That's good. Yeah. Jerk. So everybody get that? Did everybody understand that? The woman is not the mission. Yeah. Good. Yeah, free time and less responsibility. That's exactly what Paul was saying. It was, he, he saw that as a real positive in his ability to carry on the kingdom and the kingdom work that he was doing. So he had his, you know, that the mission, again, going back to what the mission is. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. All right, we got, we got um, three boys here. What, are we, what, 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 what advice are we giving these guys? Josh, are you giving them advice or you got something else? Okay. Okay, so boys, obedience, just simple obedience is doing something that's shaping your souls in a way that will help you as you get into, as you, and, and we live in a culture, we live in a time when authority is um, wrecked. People say, you know, I'm authority unto myself, and that is, we're not an authority unto ourselves. And so, yeah, obedience is really shaping your souls in a, in a really good, a good way, yeah. Okay, I'm going to end with this and, and just reminder that what we're talking about is creators and cultivators and that we want them to be husbandmen. And so um, I'll, I'll give this one out. I'll throw this one out. And that is buy Legos. Okay, so buy Legos and do craziness, craziness with Legos. Okay, so you guys buy Legos and, and have fun with Legos. But, but what, what, what I really mean by this is here's, here's what I want you guys to be thinking about. And that is that um, uh, create do things creatively, work, work, work with your hands, be creators now and then grow, grow that creation. You know, get a, get a small job of whatever and, and work out of that job and try to grow that job. You can start doing that even now as boys and that will make a, make a big difference in terms of then later on when you're called, called towards that. So uh, do that. So I always told my boys, we didn't let them do, you know, goodness, everything's still changed, but you know, video games were pretty much, we didn't let them do because we always told them that somebody else created the video game. I don't want you to create, I don't want you to be doing something else secondhand. I want you to create something. And so we demanded that they create things and they created games, a lot of, a lot of games, um, just paper, they call them paper games. But anyway.